Cassie is uh, feeling very sorry for herself and berating herself. Um, <laughs> she doesn't want to go through the luggage and like steal clothes um, because she doesn't want to be a thief. Um, but she hears Marco Marco's voice being like, let's see, Cassie, you pooped on a controller, tossed two marines into gun battle with evil aliens, probably got them and the armored truck guys captured or killed, and hijacked a baggage cart. Now you're worried about swiping snack crackers? Which is very Marco. Yeah, it's also a touch meaner than Marco would necessarily This is do. true. Like not, but I think that feels very accurate to the way Cassie would feel, mm-hmm. to be clear. It's like that ever so slight dialing up mm-hmm. um and to be clear this is one reason how we know that cassie is tired and hungry because she assumes everybody's going to be mean to her <laughs> <laughs> if you hate everyone you're hungry if you think everyone hates you you need a nap and if you <laughs> hate yourself you need a shower or you should at least have one this shit annoyingly works yep <laughs> i hate how true it is <laughs> Um, but she gets a whiff of oranges, um, mm-hmm. ev- strong enough to smell, despite how crowded and dusty this this cargo hold is. Uh, and there's a whole stack, like a whole fucking pallet of oranges, like navel oranges. Uh, would anyone really notice if one was missing? No, no one would notice. I wish you would take on a fucking. <laughs> But this is what I mean about how I feel like some of the, and this is me again, what was it, um, from a, a doyless perspective, okay, an observation. Is this because Cassie has done, in her mind, something very bad, is she not doing this small bad thing? Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to make a choice in the heat of a moment that, could do that leads to something bad happening it's another thing to willfully steal mm-hmm. and i uh, and i see this mentality pop up again and again in this book mm-hmm. not enough to accept hospitality from somebody that's kind of saved your life and not been at all weird with you even though they have every right to be no no that you're gonna do that you're gonna be mean to somebody Indirectly by being a bad guest. Mm-hmm. And that's inconsistent writing, though, to be fair. Yeah. I would have eaten the witch tug rubs. I'm just saying. <laughs> or if I was really desperate not to, I would have said I was a vegetarian, which she is. Mm hmm. <sighs> uh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So but she's sh- she's catastrophizing, as yes. she is known to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, why couldn't I just spend a day worrying about normal things? Um, and she's like, okay, well, no, I need to stop. I could just morph a bird and fly out. Okay, that I, I should morph, and that will solve the problems. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. no. Um, I should turn into a cold-weather morph. Which I'm glad that this morph doesn't happen until a bunch of the baggage 
has fallen out of the plane? Because let me tell you, a fucking polar bear showing up in a cargo hold is going to seriously disrupt the weight balance of an aircraft. (laughs) That's a big old fucking bear. (laughs) That's going to fuck some shit up. Like, planes only have a limited weight limit for a reason. Just fucking (laughs) throw a polar bear in there and see what happens. Um, But hey, she's like, no, okay, that's a good idea. And she's like, I feel warmer at the prospect. Her headaches seems to stop throbbing. But what she realizes is it's that the droning noise has stopped and the engines are silent. Uh, And she's waiting for the plane to drop. She's like, well, the engines have stopped. Um, But then there's this firing of a laser sort of sound, this flashing green light, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like an x-ray because she briefly sees, like, the plane's, like, frame. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, then it's gone. Uh, Her legs have gone dead. Um, But the rest of her is fine, where she was sort of like... um, where she was sort of partially in this crate or yeah. specifically by the engine parts inside the crate um um but hey the uh there's a bug fighter doing a mid docking procedure this is some full sci-fi bullshit in the whichever lower atmosphere i don't know which level of the atmosphere planes are in i'm sorry um but yes we're doing a little uh, a boarding party. Mm-hmm. Um, Heidi, hi. There's a tractor beam. Cassie can see the taxon pilot at the window. And she's just like, okay, small morph, hide. And then Rachel's words, you know, and be killed by a can of raid? I don't think so. If Rachel were here, that's exactly what she'd say. They're ready for small. They're expecting you to run and hide. Don't give them what they want, Cassie. Um, a couple of Hulkbajir step out uh, and start looking. They're, they're searching the hold. They're armed with bug spray. Uh, we get a bitchin' description of the Hulkbajir. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have more Cassie berating herself. She tries to think what the others would do. And for the most part... Um, I do appreciate that she's like, okay, Jake wouldn't got into this mess, neither Tobias nor Rex or even Marco. And Rachel, well, Rachel might have. Because <laughs> 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 Rachel is smart but not careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, surprise them, surprise them, morph something big, fight back, win, right, against how many? Two. This time Axe's voice echoed in my head. Um and I love this little detail, like mm-hmm. that reflection, the way she sort of has internalized ways her friends think or like the way she thinks she sees reflected in her friends, which is the good shit that I crave. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will give it a pass that she's give start thinking, oh, well, I'm hearing voices. So clearly I got hit on the head real hard with those golf clubs. Um, they're just like, no, you're just mirroring Mm-hmm. We contain aspects of our friends. That's how we do. <laughs> it's a very human thing. Um, but this is when she does morph polar bear. Mm-hmm. Um, because if she's going to fight, she's going to go big. Yeah. 
and she fucking throws crates at these hork and knocks them just into open air. Yeah, this is the uh, like this is why they had to freeze the plane because mm-hmm. you couldn't have this action sequence happening with the plane in motion. Um, talk about turbulence! Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Um, but yeah, props to the, the Hawkbeard controllers for having a very valid reaction to a to a polar bear growling, which is to uh, <laughs> freak the fuck out. And try to run. Uh, yeah. Um, um, but the bug fighter backs off. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the tractor beam disengaging, uh, she's able to figure out that because this is the most magical tractor beam to have ever existed in fiction, it was also pressurized. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the pressure gone, um, there's the risk of her being sucked out of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, she is able um, to um, get using like some of the other loads sliding around and she's able to get to the edge of the door and close the door. Yeah. So good thing she was that big, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, have being big in that instance, like easy to pull, but a, a human child would have probably just been sucked the fuck out of the aircraft. Yeah. So, uh, um, but for the moment, she can breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cargo hold is trashed. Mm-hmm. Um, she realizes uh, correctly that the Yerks would be back. At this point, the Yerks know that she's on this plane. Of course, they're going to be back. Um, so she starts to make a plan. So she finds at the kind of back of the cargo hold a small um, control area that has a um, a ladder up into the passenger area. Um, and this kind of starts the wheels turning in her mind. Uh, and she's like, all right. So she gouges the metal with her fucking polar bear claws to make it seem like she was sucked out of the aircraft. Fucking um, love that. It's Love great. that. Um, and she piles up the, like, heavy machinery crates around the uh, kind of control area because she recognized that the heavy machinery seemed to block the paralyzing light um which if they did why was it able to enter an airplane who fucking knows um so she she kind of builds this little fort um she digs through some of the uh luggage she gets like a a moth-eaten cardigan um, and uh, some prune juice and uh, a roll of mints and an entire unopened box of Slim Fast bars. Um, finds a sleeping bag, so she's able to eat a little bit, um, get some liquid in her, uh, and kind of huddle down inside this sleeping bag while she's waiting for the Yerks to come back. 
Um, before too long, they do. Um, her plan Good instincts, is, Cassie. <laughs> yes. Um, her plan uh, is at least partially right. Um, the boxes block the green flash. Um, she's able to scramble over to the control area and start to go up the ladder. Unfortunately, the Yerks have brought with them a human controller that has some kind of uh, monitoring device that senses movement. Um, and this fucks up Cassie's plan because they can immediately sense her moving um, and she can't get up the ladder fast enough uh, to uh, really sell her ruse. Um, the there's the the beverage cart from the passenger area is over the the ladder up and so she has to really really struggle she only barely gets through before the the um cork catch up to her she pours hot coffee on them which is beautiful mm-hmm. um and she's we love like, an improvised weapon it's so good good uh, and then she's I just like, love I, combat pragmatism generally. It's always. It's, it's, and this is when we talk about Cassie being incredibly competent and savvy in this book. These are the moments. Like, mm-hmm. She's so good at thinking on her feet, which is when it, she doesn't get to, when the books portray her as making less understandable choices, more frustrating because mm-hmm. this doesn't feel out of character for her yep. at all. We've seen, especially when she doesn't have time to overthink things, just how good she is at doing this kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't like that about herself. Yeah. Oh, that was what I was. This is I want to talk to you about dimorphing again and the way Cassie is portrayed mm. with her demon, mm-hmm. because if, with the few inst- uh, installments of it, I've read. I love the relationship and the dual, the way Cassie's duality is explored mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when when she fucking panics because her demon settles as a fucking vampire bat, yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. And shit. She's like the implications, <laughs> and her demon's just like, really? Can we not? <laughs> but yeah. it illustrates beautifully something that you do see in the books which is Mm -hmm. that Cassie resents the parts of herself that can do bad things or as she sees them bad things and she thinks less of of herself for being able to do them Mm -hmm. and that's part of what puts the strain on her relationship with the others Yep, is because as much as she might try to contain it she doesn't do a good job and we know she doesn't like that aspect of Rachel, mm-hmm. particularly. Yeah. Sometimes the way she talks about the others, I imagine they must feel very judged by her. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time. Mm-hmm. Because even if she wasn't outwardly with it, the fact that she's so judgmental of herself, yeah, out and she's not quiet about that. Yeah. Even if she isn't saying it directly to someone, the way she's talking about the group as a whole, it's not hard to imagine, especially with these kids that are going through so much. 
and hearing the sort of self-loathing Cassie talks about, the things that they have to do. It's like, way to make everybody feel worse about themselves, gal. Like, I know that's not what you're trying to do, but it will. Yeah, it's very much the thing where, like, relatively thin people are like, oh, I'm so fat. And it's like, Mm. if you're fat, what does that make me? Uh, yeah, and also for the people that maybe who have gotten to who don't see fat as a bad thing, because to be clear, fat is a morally neutral or is a judgment neutral term mm-hmm. that people weaponize. Mm-hmm. It's just like you see that as a bad thing, and so what do you think about the fact that I am this thing and I mm-hmm. don't think it's bad? Yep. Um. But she gets into the passenger compartment. She's looking for a place to hide. She knows she can't hide in the bathroom anymore because they will absolutely look there first. Um, And she gets the fucking brilliant idea to pose as one of the passengers who is frozen um, in this plane. Uh, And she, like, throws a blanket over herself to kind of cover the leotard um, and sits in an empty seat and freezes and like is staring straight ahead, not blinking kind of deal. Um, and love the, love the plan. Also, I do feel like keeping your eyes open is an unnecessary element, like given how people be on planes. Yeah. So yeah, but, maybe you, know, you were blinking same. when they fired the thing. Who knows? Yeah. But she's selling a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I won't begrudge her leaning in. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hork-Bajir just start firing dragon beams under the seats um, and she's rip to anyone that keeps their legs tucked under themselves I guess oh no wait uh-huh. you just put your feet under the person in front of you that that's gonna lose limbs uh-huh. love how that's uh, not addressed unless it's yeah. set to stun which to be fair they are trying to bring this Andalite in alive yeah well, I think, but I think nevertheless, th- the visual of a Adelaide firing a dragon beam just willy nilly mm-hmm. um, is very good. I also have no idea if she's coming up in the front compartment in like economy or like up at the front where the first class stuff is. It's I think funny, it has regardless. to be economy. Um, but one would assume she. So so the the Yerk human controller. Um, is like, stop firing, we have to bring her back alive. Um, and so the hork lower the the setting on their dragon beams, if they hadn't already. And they're just kind of, like, searching. Um, ran- the hork are ransacking fucking everything. Shoving people aside, pulling things out of the overhead bins, um, all of this stuff. Uh, like, she gets, she gets kind of knocked over into the person next to her and has to just kind of like fall over woodenly. Um, but the Horpizier don't notice her. Uh, and it almost looks like she gets away with it. Um, they're, she, you know, the, the Yerks are getting ready to go check the cockpit. Um, and, then the human controller thinks about it and is like, oh, but the Andalite could be morphed to human. Um, so she has the Hork-Bajir go person to person and fire 
their dragon beam, like, on the person's arm to see if they flinch, which is so smart. This is it what is... I mean by this is a savvy bunch of controllers. Yeah. Well, up until the point in a minute where they assume Cassie is one of them, <laughs> <laughs> which is just very funny and good. But please, carry on. Um, and so they start going person to person and that... You know, they get closer and closer to Cassie. Cassie is panicking because she knows that she might be able to keep from screaming, but there's no way that she could stop even the tiniest flinch, right? Um, like, we know dragon beams are designed to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's been established. Uh, and so when the hork leans over to fire at the person next to her, she kind of puts her hand up behind his back and shoves him, which is great. Um, it puts him off balance, um, as she, uh, and she begins to acquire him. And so he kind of slumps forward. Uh, and it works for a moment. Um, except that the hork drops the dragon beam he's holding and it clatters. Uh, and everything goes into chaos again. Um, as one, the other hork shoots the hork that she's acquiring. Um, she's kind of like uh, crawling under the seats army style, which doesn't actually make any sense to me. Unless she's Unless, just... like She could be that small. Well, but she's like, described as the shortest of the balls. Unless plane designs have severely changed. Yeah. There's, there's not like that, that much bar. space under there. Uh-huh. Well, I'm thinking because, like, when you put your stuff under the seat in front of you, there's like a metal yeah, a little bar thing. that stops yeah. you being able to shove it too far forward. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so there, she fires the dragon beam she has at the other Hork-Bajir and vaporizes him because uh, it seems like the setting changed to uh, burn quicker. Um, while it bounced around the floor. I feel bad for finding that funny because she's so <laughs> distressed by that moment. Yeah. And to be fair, it would be, but also it's just very funny. <laughs> thing. I'm sorry, the loss of life is not a laughing matter, but the gun, the dragon beam accidentally getting knocked to disintegrate, that mm-hmm. in a different scenario, that would be a comedy beat. Yeah. Um. The, so she books it for an exit, races towards the front of the plane. Um, the human controller steps out from the cockpit and like, what the hell is going on out here? Oh no, the Andalite. Um, the controller's like, very clever, more for child, throw off suspicion. Um, and uh, Cassie just needs a moment, just a moment to, to escape here. And so she's like, <laughs> you can't shoot me. Uh, Visser 3 wanted the Andalite bandit taken alive, but if you explain to him how a simple airplane search spun out of control forcing you to kill me, I'm sure he'd understand. He's an extremely nice person. <laughs> Which is... Um, I love Visser 3's terrible management style coming back to bite him in the ass. Um, because uh-huh. the human... The human controller hesitates, and so Cassie jumps for the door, 
pushes it open and jumps out of the plane. With it being pressurized thanks to the tractor beam, as we now know, it's fine. <laughs> uh, this is why you wear your seatbelts anytime you're not moving around the aircraft, people. You never mm-hmm. know when some animorph's going to like open the door mid-flight. <laughs> um, so she leaps from the plane and is falling very quickly. Um, the two bug fighters at first can't see her because she's kind of blocked from their view. Uh, but then one of the bug fighters starts to like maneuver somewhere else and we'll be able to see her. And she, so she can't morph if the, uh, if the bug fighter can see her, obviously. So she shoots the dragon beam at the bug fighter and, uh, makes the bug fighter explode. Which is. Solid um, shooting text. Yeah. I, I mean, specifically, it's she shoots through the windshield and explodes the taxon inside. Um, and then the bug fighter spirals out of control and explodes. Um, and <laughs> so she's spinning uncontrollably in the air, falling very quickly. She only barely manages to morph Osprey in time. Um, but. She does, and so now she's in some kind of desert. She has no idea where she is. The other bug fighter is closing in. She dives into uh, what used to be a creek bed, but is now a kind of ravine, um, hides in one of the hollows in the wall, and morphs flee. And she digs down into the sand and just hides as best she can. Um, until the Yurks are gone. Um, and this time she spends in Flea Morph um, is time spent berating herself, unsurprisingly. Um, where she is just like Wishing this wasn't her life. Fair. Um, yeah. And that um, she's berating herself over killing the Hork-Bajir. The, the two Hork-Bajir that were in the, cockp- or in the passenger part of the airplane the second time. Also the two Hork-Bajir she killed before that by just pushing them out of an airplane. Um... She has a moment here where she's like, I also killed that taxon, but it's a taxon. Um, but also, but she does later kind of make up for it. Um, I saw with, Mm. with how she's thinking about the taxon. Um, but basically she's like, I'd meant to kill them and I did. Uh, just like she'd meant to kill the taxon. Um, and she hears Rachel's voice in her head, like it was either you or them, and you had to choose yourself. Like it's totally understandable. Don't beat yourself up about it. And then she's like, "Yeah, but this shit. whole, yeah, this whole series of events was my fault because if I hadn't, if I had made a single smart decision in the last twelve or fourteen or however many app- hours, none of this would have happened." And it's mm-hmm. like, eh, but also. All those people were making their own choices 
well, the people who were controllers weren't making their own choices, but the Yorks were making their own choices. The Marines were making their own choices. Um, you were doing the best you could with the information you had. Like, it, it, the, it makes me sad to see her beat herself up about this, even though it makes sense to me that she yeah. would. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, we see her, she, we, we get some of the moralizing about her actions of the last book, where she refused to go on the digging mission, but then kind of snuck in and killed a bunch of people to stop the gas from blowing up the yerk pool. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a nice nod to continuity. Love to see it. Would you um, love to say it? Uh, get involved anyway, commit acts maybe much worse. Like, hey Cassie, killing ten people directly is not better than killing hundreds of people somewhat indirectly. <laughs> or it's not worse. Um, like, I'm pretty sure in both of these cases, like, the number of people is the big factor here. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, she, she demorphs eventually. She has stopped hearing the big booms of the Yerks firing just haphazardly in the desert. Um, and things are quiet and she's, you know, she doesn't really have a way to keep track of time. So she's using best guess. Um, so she demorphs. Night has fallen. Um, and she crawls up out of the ravine. Um, and it just red desert all the way around her. Um, and she's like, all right, well, this is good. I don't know where I am, but apparently the Yerks don't either. <laughs> Definite improvement. I can work with this. Um, and she's kind of like just crouching there, half expecting something to come out of the darkness and grab her. Um, and something does come out of the darkness, but it's not an enemy. Um, it's just some kid who whispers in her ear, they're gone. Which, like... If I had seen someone morph into a bird uh, mm. and then crawl out of a ravine and is clearly extremely jumpy and possibly being chased by aliens, um, I wouldn't sneak up on them. <laughs> to be fair, the way I read it is that she happens to have just popped up next to where he is. Yeah. And is just so caught up in her own understandable panic that she doesn't notice until he's like, they're gone. And he just happens <laughs> to be right there, which again, very funny visual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I, I'm sorry. I said I was going to stop googling stuff, <laughs> but this has pissed me off. Now, a lot of Australia is desert. Mm-hmm. This is this is well known. Uh, however, like the specifically like red dunes and stuff like that, you do not fly over any of them to get to Sydney when flying from America. <laughs> Because Sydney is on like the right on the east coast, <laughs> and even the way the plane like arcs down, it's like you aren't passing any, you you don't. 
<laughs> you just don't. So maybe I should uh, ask expecting maybe then to even look into Aboriginal Australian settlements at all. And we couldn't even figure out a flight path from the States that actually flies <laughs> over the Red Desert. So, you know. Good. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just. Uh, uh, so I, she's. And the, I, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just. Uh, I don't know what I expect. Um, <laughs> but this this kid uh, is. Uh, this kid has an excellent dog. We always love to see a dog. Um, mm-hmm. who is unimpressed by Cassie's sudden arrival uh, until he is shushed. Uh, the dog remains fine, the, the whole book, by the way. The dog remains fine. We like this dog. This dog, however, is dumb as a pile of bricks because this is a dog <laughs> that will try to fight both kangaroos and hawk Yeah. So not a great survival instinct on this dog, <laughs> but defies the odds lives another day uh i assume it's like probably like an australian like one of an aussie blue dog or something which are great breeds Mm. we love dogs around here um but there's uh this kid who like she yeah it's described that she practically lands in his lap yeah when she climbed out of the ravine um and because of how dark his skin tone is uh like and she describes it as darker than her own. He almost seems to dissolve into the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get this. This kid is cute. Like, mm-hmm. he's very, like, chill with Cassie. Um, and when she's like, you scared me, he's like, I scared you. And has, like, and he laughs. And he thinks that's hilarious. Um because he's a teenage boy and Cassie is wearing a leotard, he can't help but have a little wee looky before le- turning away. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, everything important is covered. Um, and hey, Rachel's going to get to take Cassie shopping for a new one. So she'll be happy. <laughs> um, but um, the kid's like, well, you'll be needing help. And Cassie has this moment of... And then in this, we mentioned the noble savage trope. This is where this starts to come into play. Um, and Cassie's kind of enamoured by this guy because his voice is soft, he's a little shy, but there's a confidence to it. Um, like he knew what needed to be done and was willing to do it, kind of like Jake. No, nothing like Jake. She's like, one, it's okay to see the boy you like in other boys, mm-hmm. you know, see things like, but two... Bless. Teenager. I do not miss being a teenager <laughs> at all. Um, I say that like I'm not in my mid to late 30s and I still have to deal with emotions about people. So <laughs> there's just less hormones involved than when you're 13. Uh-huh. It's still complicated. Anyway, I'm off topic once again. Uh, the kid introduces himself. Uh, after seeing that... Uh, he, because she's like, oh, yeah, I'm lost, uh, sort of lost. And she's like, yeah, okay. And he laughs. It's just like the bird girl who can turn into a bug is lost. No worries. Now you're found. Um, I'm Yami and I'll be your guide for the evening. He smiled. I like to say that one of my uncles is a tour guide at Uluru. Um, the dog has already been introduced as, I don't know whether it's just Jala or Tajala. I don't know enough about um, languages from the region. But, uh, yeah. And 
that's so the kid has seen her morphing and seems utterly unfazed. Yep. Just <laughs> preachers like, huh? Bird, girl, bug, huh? Uh, I seek to have that much chill, frankly. Right, right. And if it had been left at this, it would have been very cool. Um, yeah. Just like some kid who is just very chill with the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, she kind of f- runs after him because he just kind of like starts walking and she's like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're, we're walking now, I guess. Um, keep in mind, she's barefoot. Um, but so is this other kid. Uh but he probably walks around barefoot all the time and is able to develop calluses, whereas Cassie does not. Um, because even if she did, they'd be gone every time she morphed. So. Exactly. Uh, so, finally, she's like, so, you saw all that back there, huh? The bird, the flea? And Yami nods, and the funny airplane. Many planes fly over, but I've never seen one like that before. Chasing birds and blowing holes in the ground. It was a surprise. The bug fighter. A surprise. Yeah, you could call it that. I tripped over a scruffy bush. But the bird changing to a girl, then to a flea, then back to a girl again? That wasn't a surprise? Yami gave me a little sideways smile. No. He shrugged one shoulder. Okay, maybe a little, but... He stopped suddenly and held his arm out at his side. I almost ran into it. But not a lot. This is why. He lowered his arm. I caught my breath. The flat desert floor had come to an abrupt end. We were standing at the edge of a crescent-shaped cliff. Jala's ears twitched. Uh, Yami held his hand on Jala's back to keep him still. Stay. The dry creek bed ended at the edge of the cliff. I peeked over. The full moon was reflected below. The cliff walls dropped straight down to a pool of water. It's a sacred place, said Yami. A spring created by our spirit ancestors. They made the water and the cliff and all the caves along the cliff, and when they finished, they changed themselves into rocks and mountains and trees and stars and all the things on earth in the sky. He gave me his one-shoulder shrug and flashed a grin. And maybe fleas, too. Who knows? Uh, which is... I don't... I don't know... Enough... It, it feels yeah, kind of ab- weird. Uh, yeah, it feels very contrived. Like, it's entirely possible that there are, like, Aboriginal legends and stories about this kind of thing. I am not a student of Aboriginal mythology, I couldn't say. But mm-hmm. still. And uh, we find out that, like, his grandfather is very strongly into like their culture and wants to make sure his grandchildren know about it so it doesn't like you can again this watsonian things like this is a kid that's been brought up with old stories and things like that and the old mythology um because when we get to meet um his family and stuff like cassie's given like a t-shirt and shorts to wear and like these are people that like go to more populated parts of Australia. Like, mm-hmm. they get mail delivery. They're not, like, completely out of no- out nowhere. They're not painted as being, like, this remote tribe of people. Right. They're just an Aboriginal family that live at this outstation, as is described. Right. But it does feel bad. Yeah. 
it feels kind of contract considering that the only other instances we have seen in these books are like talking about like the spirits of the sky and the land and like that's part of the hawk bajir mythology which is great and good and cool mythologies you see similar themes again and again just like yeah but also the hawk bajir are consistently portrayed as naive Mm. and that's the politest way i can think to describe how they are described so it because we know where Cassie's power to change into animals comes from. We know it is science-based or, mm-hmm. like, MacGuffin technology-based. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're supposed to go, oh, these quaint beliefs about spirits. Yes. Yeah. If we saw... I think that's why it feels bad to read. Yes. It's... Even to me as a as a ignorant af white colonizer mm-hmm. like my english ass has got to be very careful but if i say anything about australian like indigenous people i am well aware yeah i i think i think you hit the nail on the head for why it just like mm. doesn't feel great um i feel like if we saw other people just be blasé about the fact that they can morph for mm. a variety of different reasons, and it wasn't just always, oh, the spirit ancestors. Um, to be fair, unlike the last time, he isn't saying to her, just like, oh, maybe you're a god, a nature spirit. It's just like, eh, that's true. The, nat- the spirits could do that. Why couldn't you? Like, mm-hmm. stories have got to come from somewhere. It feels yeah. less like he's ascribing that behavior to her and more mm-hmm. like, well, this thing happened. Why couldn't this thing happen? Yeah. And that's definitely because he's very casual about it in the way he mm-hmm, talks about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't, this is as I sit here and Danielle and I back and forth about this, um, well aware of our whiteness and try not to speak on things that we don't have a right to speak on. Mm-hmm. But I can see how this maybe feels like an improvement on, was it book 25, where yeah. this sort of interaction happened before? Mm-hmm. But it still ain't great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, it's pretty brief. Um, yeah. Like, this gets brought up maybe twice, and then mm-hmm. that's kind of it, um, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, uh, and because now... There are kangaroos. Yeah. And Cassie's like, okay, not South Dakota. <laughs> um, and to be fair, I do appreciate Yami clearly knowing where South Dakota is mm-hmm. and goes, yeah, you are lost. <laughs> um, and I do appreciate Cassie, whose mom works as a vet at the fucking, what do we call it? I've completely blanked on the, the amusement gardens. park. So the gardens. Thank you. Um who is used to seeing varying animals that are not, like, domestic to the States, just thinking, kangaroos are fucking weird looking. <laughs> Which, to be fair, <laughs> they are kind of weird looking. Yeah. Um, bigger than you would think, much like cows. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I actually described the, the face of a deer, the ears of a rabbit, the long, long tail of a rat, um, and how awkward their posture looks, how they've got... She says big furry rumps. Um, she's like, they got a fat ass. Uh, they got the little <laughs> arms up front. 
Um, and to be fair, it is described as the odd curious parts came together in a magnificent whole. So she's here just like, that's a dope-ass animal. Mm-hmm. Looks fucking weird. <laughs> um, Yami informs her um, that this is specifically uh, red kangaroos, because there's more than one species of kangaroo. Um, and they're big. They're taller than his grandfather and that this mob grazes here a lot. Because uh, I didn't know that a mob was the collective noun for kangaroos. <laughs> that tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, Tajala the dog is uh, ready to fight a kangaroo. <laughs> um, and to be fair, this dog is described to be not, is like barely out of puppyhood. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe has not had the time to learn why you don't fuck with animals this much bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Um but the uh, the dog tears down into the plane where the kangaroos are, and they all just like scatter in different directions. Um, and to tell the dog, it's lucky that nothing worse happens because while some of the kangaroos are running, some are fully prepared to knock him down. Mm-hmm. Um, but the kids go down there chasing after the dog, who's still trying to chase after presumably a male kangaroo, given how big it is. Um, Tajala gets raked across the nose with some hind claws Um, and he still is chasing this kangaroo as it splashes into the water Um, and then finally comes back to Yami as he's being called Um, and uh, the kangaroo gets the other side of the water looks at them and hops off Cassie bless it seems okay I don't think Tajala Ho is like I wasn't worried about the kangaroo um but to be fair, he's la- he's still laughing. He's not like mm-hmm. holding it against Cassie for saying that. Um, but it's funny, like that kangaroo or that big boomer would have killed him. God, I really hope boomer is accurate slang for kangaroos because that just makes every boomer meme I've ever heard even fucking funnier. I've um, definitely heard Steve Irwin use it, so. Oh, yeah. Um, and because, in case you needed a reminder of this being Australian, we do get then a mention of dingoes. Um, mm-hmm. Because she got her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and we say, like, Yami's fear is not um, misplaced. He's seen, um, he has seen a kangaroo drown dingoes um, mm. in the water. Uh, he led them into the deep water and held their heads under. Um, so, but they hear a rustling and a thumping, and they go to check it out. And one of the kangaroos who had scattered um, a doe is caught in a fence, and is um, panic starts panicking as uh, they approach. It has a joey in her pouch, um, and Cassie goes to help doing so by um, acquiring the dough. And as she sort of goes into the acquiring trance, or the dough goes into the acquiring trance, Cassie is able to untangle um, the dough's foot from where it's gotten further caught up in the in the woven fence. Mm-hmm. So do love the visual of the joey, like, peeping its head out to look at Cassie <laughs> as she does this. Just, look, it's cute shit. I am not mm-hmm. immune to cute shit. <laughs> um... But um, Cassie acquires them off, backs away. Uh, the doe comes back to herself, hops off, knowing that the kid, the baby is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And um, Yami is impressed because she has a special way with the kangaroos. Um, I do like he jokingly calls her bird girl. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. And also just a nice callback, like, because we don't have any overt references to Cassie thinking about Tobias. Mm-hmm. But I do like that she's called Bird Girl, which one would hope makes her think of Tobias, even mm-hmm. if it's not like explicit. And again, just carrying on that those comparisons of her to the other animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, next chapter, Cassie's woken up by a booming laugh. Um, and is uh, been kipping on a bench on Yami's porch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, morning and it's already fucking hot. Yep. Uh, apparently, she she just like sat down while Yami was uh, filling his mum in on what was going down. Yeah, and she she sat down and immediately fell asleep, which like fair. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, so she wakes up. She's had a, a, a blanket uh, rolled up and put under her, her head, which is very considerate of them. Um, and she hears talking and laughing coming from outside. So she stands up and goes to find Yami. And his whole family is gathered uh, around uh, inside a lean-to um just kind of like sitting together and and enjoying each other's company um and so she goes over and uh she yami comes up and he's like my grandfather wants to meet you and uh i don't think any of yami's family is named no which is not great is not. Um, uh, but Yami's grandfather stands up. Um, he seems a little unsteady on his feet. Uh, but uh, Yami kind of steadies yes, this, him. And he's got this big booming laugh and Cassie mm-hmm. realizes that that's what woke her. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Yami's grandfather speaks to her um, because Yami has told him about the shape-shifting Mm-hmm. How she calmed the the rue, how she hid in the creek bed that runs into the spring, um, and Yami's grandfather is like, it's because um, that that was an ancestral site, like, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that that was where she chose to go as a sign. Um, I like the quippiness of yes, it was a sign, a sign. I should not be set loose in the world unsupervised. <laughs> I don't necessarily vibe with the self deprecation, but that is a funny line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and we get the explanation about, uh, yeah, from Yami that his grandfather's fear is that the old traditions will disappear, which is why he tries so hard to teach, uh, teach his family about them. And he thinks that Cassie is proof that he's doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like that Cassie says it was like, I'm not proof of anything. And Yami just shrugs like, Meh. grandparents, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> I just kind of smile and nod. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but she's given something to wear and they take her leotard to wash. And she's like, I need that. Um, <laughs> and this is when she's offered some food, a bowl of um, 
what she describes as looking like miniature white taxons. And perhaps if it had been a different looking thing, she might have been fine trying to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yami explains what it is. And she's like, don't tell me, tastes like chicken. And he frowns and is like, more like butter as he eats one. And he held one out to her to try. Uh, and she fully acknowledges that she's eaten worse and has been worse. Um, and I, it is the fact that it looks like a taxon, I think, that's putting her off so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she feigns like that how the heat means she doesn't have an appetite. Mm-hmm. And Yami just sort of like blinks and nods and his smile fades. And Gassy, in one of the few instances I feel that is not misplaced guilt, feels bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really like this moment because it definitely speaks to, I think, the the experience that I have heard uh, a lot of a lot of minorities where they eat different food. Um, you know, they'll describe this experience where they they either talk about or they show or otherwise are, um, you know, being vocal about the the kind of food that they eat, and the white Americans around them are all like, "Ew, how could you possibly eat that?" Um, in a way that is extremely rude, uh, mm-hmm. and dismissive, uh, and xenophobic. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get and- a, a lot of that too. Like, you'll hear a lot of comments about like people talking about like the smell of stuff they can smell cooking. And how mm-hmm. it always smells bad. And I'm just like, you are ignorant fucks. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Just because you can don't know what that smell is, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's bad. And there's a lot of associations, obviously, here. A lot of it's with a lot of sort of South Asian mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, given the, the high concentration of like Indian and Pakistani and Bangladeshi people living in the UK... And obviously, like, with the Windrush generation, a lot of sort of folks from the Caribbean and even, like, migrants from various countries in Africa. So there's a lot of that vibe, mm-hmm. which is, uh, it's, it's like, this is why you can get good food. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, like, I'm, I'm like, and not unrecently, like, been in places and somebody just complaining about um, somebody else's food and the smell of it being heated up in the microwave and how gross is that they have to smell somebody else's food heating Mm -hmm. up and it's like you know not being a dick costs nothing (laughs) yeah um and i don't think cassie's being malicious here i mean obviously she's not um and uh as someone who is not an adventurous eater like i can definitely understand her reaction and she tries to um she tries to brush it off in a polite way, you know. I just don't have an appetite. But uh I do like that even unintentionally um she's playing into this larger narrative, like especially with uh the the forced assimilation of indigenous cultures and how they they often have a lot of these um cultural things taken away from them um 
and looked down upon and described as gross and stuff like that. Like, it really kind of ties into that. And uh, I don't know. I, I liked that it was here. Mm. And although we don't get um, any of the relatives named, I do like we have this time of Cassie just being with this family. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like her observing being yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and really liking being with them. Yeah. Um, in general. Like now that she's sort of not the focus of attention as well, she's just sort of like, this is great. Or this is nice, I should say. Um, and she's like, your family's been nice. You've been so nice. And then she's like, I don't want to be bad. I don't want to be rude. Um, but I do need to phone home. Um, unfortunately, uh, they don't have a telephone. And the explosion yesterday destroyed the aerial for their two-way radio. Yep. 